0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
1: All right. Good to have you tuning in tonight. 15 minutes left in the third period. Maple Leafs up four, three on the jets. Kyle Connor scored late in the second period, his 22nd of the season. In the third, it's 1 1 Flyers and Rangers. Boston up 3 1 on Buffalo. Posternak has his 18th. Halfway through the third, still no score. Capitals and Islanders. Seven minutes into the third period, Jackets and Lightning tied 1 1. Third period just underway in Sunrise, Florida. Panthers trail the Hurricanes 3 1. 10 minutes to go in Pittsburgh. Penguins up 5 1 on the Devils. Late second period in Detroit, Red Wings up 4-2 on Dallas, even though the Stars have a 31-15 edge in shots on goal. Avalanche and Blues are even at one. That one is uh, about two and a half minutes into the second period. And later on tonight, it's the Senators taking on the Canucks, as the Canucks will still try to keep their unlikely playoff hopes alive but they got a little bit of hope by uh, beating the Maple Leafs a couple of times a few days ago this texter says hi Reed I sure hope Cassian and Jujar Kara are back for the playoffs or the Oilers are in trouble I don't like the liberties being taken which to me should have been answered if we come playoffs to not get the calls and capitalize I'm not sure we have the beef to play seven games especially without Cassian and Kara." Hated the contract, but boy, Lucic would be nice on Connor's line or on Leon's line if Kassian was on the first line. Teams are taking way too many liberties to meet. That is a text to seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. 63 Next Oilers game is Monday. They didn't practice today. They'll be back at practice tomorrow. The next game is Monday, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7. Also, pretty soon, Randy Ambrosi, commissioner of the CFL, said hopefully within 10 days we get a schedule and I'll have a double-E football game to promote as well. It'll be in early August, but hey, we're getting there. And I'm pleased to welcome the general manager and VP of football operations for the double E, Brock Sunderland, back to Inside Sports. Hey, Brock, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's good to catch up with you. Thanks for popping on. Uh, I mean, look, I'll I'll just kind of start with the the very general question about hearing that news yesterday of a target start date, target date for the Grey Cup, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, it's, it's exciting. we are all been working away building rosters and doing what we can to focus on the now, but the reality is we're all on this because we want to play games, and uh, that's what we're all excited about and uh, crossing our fingers and hoping that August 5th we can be out there and uh, doing what we all love to do.
1: So when you have a target date, does that – What what does that exactly mean to you? I mean, I know with your schedule, you always have target dates and things you have to do. Does getting that August 5th date as opposed to the dates we had in May and June, what does that mean to you?
2: Well, it just gives us, a, in particular, the coaches, it gives them a chance to plan practices for training camp. Uh, and then we, once we get the game scheduled, then we can start game planning for teams that we'll be playing and all those things. So it really is the first step in prepping for everything that we do from training camp to the first couple games of the season.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, in terms of your roster, are there any – areas position groups that are a priority right now and i don't want to call them holes necessarily but things that maybe you need to address here
2: you know right now we feel pretty good about where we are with our roster we it's a full roster right now meaning that if we add a player we have to get rid of a player So we're set as it is right now. You're always looking to improve. So our philosophy is if if there's someone out there better than what we have currently, then we're going to try to add them and and better ourselves every day. But right now we feel good with where we're at. And uh, that's the exciting thing about having some potential dates is we want to get in the field and evaluate these players in person and get the competitiveness going and, and see what we have and go from there.
1: Have you or is this something that needs to happen soon in terms of communication with players about any key dates, quarantine periods, traveling to Edmonton? Are are we there yet or where does that stand?
2: We've been in communication with the players on when a a potential training camp date would start and obviously the August 5th date. Uh, There's a lot of moving parts. It's still fairly fluid as far as the specifics of quarantine and all those things. So we're waiting to hear from uh, the people above us that make those decisions when that will happen. But as soon as we have information that's concrete, uh, we will certainly relay relay that to the players as soon as possible.
1: Okay, um, Brock Sunderland, GM of the D football team, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. What, what if anything are you hearing about preseason games, and is it your preference to have preseason games if possible?
2: Again, have not heard a definite. I think that's uh, something that's probably going to be fifty-fifty. That's just my opinion. We'll see where that goes. We'd like to have them. You always want to compete against other teams to to get a full competitive evaluation. Uh, obviously, it's different circumstances this year so whatever we can do the main thing is we just want to play football so we'd love to have preseason games if we don't have preseason games then let's go to the regular season we'll figure it out the NFL did that last year um, so however we need to slice and dice it we're willing to do that we just want to get on the field
1: okay and do you know anything I, and Brock hey you, you know you know the situation we're dealing with a lot so I, I appreciate that I might be throwing you some stuff that you don't that you are still being worked on but I do want to ask the, the length of training camp has that been discussed or is there an ideal length for you and the coaches
2: the the length we were given right now is three weeks it would be july 10th to the 31st so that's what we've been given as of right now and again that's very much in pencil not in pen
1: okay i got you well that's that's how it goes but but the cfl draft is less than two weeks away right so how are you shaping up for that we're good
2: we're i'm watching film right now and i got it on pause but uh it's may 4th and we feel good with where we're at on that and uh we'll go into our official meeting starting monday so uh, we feel really prepared with where we are in the process right now be a little bit different this year we're going to have less rounds than we normally do and uh, the challenge of it is a lot of these players in particular the youth sport players did not play in 2020 so you're watching 2019 film and you know we're certainly going to be in touch with these players to see where they are shape-wise and all that but You know, players, even when you're playing year to year without any gaps, players change from year to year. So it's a little different that way, but we're all dealing with the same thing. So uh, we will make the best picks that we can.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for taking a break from watching film to join me. I (laughs) I won't keep you for too much longer because I know that's a big part. I know that's a big part of what you do so is and i know you and i have talked about this a lot about evaluating players and finding out as much about them as possible do you think the that sort of off-field interview process get to know the person is that even going to be more important this year because a lot of guys didn't play in the last 16 months or or is it going to be weighted the same ultimately
2: for us, I'll speak for our organization. It'll be weighted the same. We're really big on character and and all those things. You know, you talk about personal character and football character. Uh, those are key components that if we don't feel 100% confident about who a, who a player is as a person in both those categories, we simply won't draft them. So that's always a high priority for us. Uh, so it's it's going to maintain that. Um, the biggest thing is going to be are they in shape? Have what have you been doing since you last? strap the helmet on and, and finding that information out and all those things okay
1: yeah that's going to be really fascinating it's tough for all these uh players not just in football but in a lot of sports you sort of lost a year to uh to improve or to show their skills to, to teams that might be looking to draft them or have them move on to the next level so that, that, that's going to be really interesting going through uh going through this draft hey uh I, I want to get a comment too i had him on the show last week he decided to step away from his uh playing career Longtime member of the double E. I'm gonna ask you about two guys who stepped away uh first of all ryan king long snapper
2: can't say enough good things about Ryan. I mean, he's. I mean, when you talk about what he brings on the field, in the locker room, off the field, in the community, um, you just you can't replace that. We we signed a long snapper today, but Ryan, the person, the player, all the things that he brings to the table, you just can't replace that. So happy for him and where he's going in his career, but it is certainly our loss as an organization, both on and off the field.
1: And a long-serving member of the team, uh, Calvin McCarty, as well, decided to hang up the cleats.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can basically copy and paste what I said about Ryan about Calvin, very similar. What he brought to this organization on and off the field, in the locker room. Uh, just today I was talking with Chris Hagerman, uh, one of my coworkers here, and you know, at the end of every game, Calvin was the one that would – so, hey, bang them out. we went on wins when we would count the number of points we scored. So little things like that that are so vital that go unnoticed to, to the fans and everybody out there in the public. Just, uh, you know, basically Calvin and Ryan are glue guys, and they're so important to the fabric of the organization. So both of those guys are – we'll find other fullbacks. We'll find another long snapper. But them as people and everything they bring, you just can't replace those two.
1: All right, Ed, the the long snapper you added today, Zach Greenberg. What do you know about this young man?
2: Snapped at a a school in Minnesota, and he was with Winnipeg, and that's where we scouted him and evaluated him more in depth was the preseason of 2019. So, you know, he's a guy that... Uh, we felt it was good enough to get the job done, and it'll certainly be a competition like, as it is with, is with every position. So, uh, you know, the best man to win the job, but we're comfortable with Zach, and we like what we saw in the preseason 2019 when he was snapping in live games for Winnipeg.
1: Okay. Well, Brock, this is great to catch up with you. It, it feels good. Like, we actually talked about some specific players and games coming up, even though we know when they are. So that felt good. That felt good, and I hope we're doing a lot more of that, man. I'll let you get no, back no to the doubt. film.
2: All right. Thanks for having
1: me. That's Brock Sunderland. Check it in. (laughs) I guess that's his break. I don't know. Coming on Inside Sports, the uh, GM and VP of football operations for the Edmonton football team. So uh, camp July 10th, to the 31st that's what they've been told there we don't know about preseason games Uh, Brock said they'd like to have one or two not sure they're going to the NFL didn't have any last year 780-496-0063 is how you can uh, chime in we'll keep you updated on the NHL scoreboard we'll circle back to uh, some of the officiating discussion we were having because I think there's a lot to voice there as well inside sports on Chet Okay, I'll get to Brian on the phone line in a second here. I just want to catch up on some text messages. Oz says, Oz says, I think yesterday's game was officiated well overall for a playoff-style setting. However, there were three absolutely egregious Mm -hmm. non-calls that show unprofessionalism on the ref's part. The so-called interference, the elbow felt around Montreal, should have been diving included, he says, and the massive cross-check on Dreisaitl, These non-calls affect gameplay and can cause massive momentum shifts for the other team. I would hope that the uh, association at least memos the refs around the league to maintain balanced calling. Last night was not balanced. That's from Oz. Bob says, after Edmonton's loss to Montreal and the loss of Kara and maybe Cassian, it may be time to bring in some additional toughness to help keep other teams honest. The crap that Weber got away with on dry settle with no calls requires a severe level of response. I suggest Holland look at a person like Dylan McElrath, Detroit put him in the mix on occasion. The Oilers have too many little guys, good players taking a lot of abuse as well. Just a thought that is from. Bob, on the text line, also got a message from Chad, who simply says, that was as poorly refed a game as I've seen in a while. Right from the start, it was baffling. I thought Weber was going to break Settle's ribs with some of those cross-checks. Those refs should be disciplined. That is from Chad. Okay, to the CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed, professional grade building materials, Brian is standing by. Brian, nice to hear from you.
0: Hey, Reed, how's it going? Good. Hey, uh, yeah, you know what? Um, it, it seems like that's the talk of the town is the roughing last night uh it, in my opinion it was a horribly rough game um it, in the beginning it looked similar to the first game on monday night where the refs were going to just let them play and and and, and whatnot but uh when, when you started seeing some of the like the the, the the what you just read off that text uh from the caller or, or whatever the you know the non calls or whatever. It, it, the inconsistencies where the refs are trying to fix uh, something they, you know, that they might have missed or or what, for whatever reason they're doing it. Why are these refs not accountable? And I mean, what I mean by that is is not holding their feet to the fire necessarily. But why why can't why can't refs uh, maybe once a week come on and uh, you know answer questions from media or from uh, from. Uh, you know, select fans or whatever, where where they where they have to be, you know, somewhat accountable because what happened last night to me, in my opinion, and, and you know what, it, the Oilers were doing some of the stuff too, of course, but I agree. the 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 one cross check on Drive Side are not even in front of the net, in a, you know, in the face-off circle, to the side on the sideboards, uh, where Drive Side looks like he's getting wh- almost like a whiplash. Uh, I can imagine the guy's got marks on his back. It, it was brutal. And, and it's like th- there's no reason for them to stop doing that if they're not going to get cold. So so what what happens? And one other thing I was going to say, Reed is is uh, I, I heard that uh, that the, the league even brought this up yesterday to the management about the cross-checking. Um, you know, wh- what's going to happen with this? And And again, you know, I think as fans, you know, you like to see playoff-type hockey, but what what happened last night was wasn't really, you know, refs at a, at a as a, at a playoff pace. It was more, um, you know, it, it seemed like the refs were going to not call things, and then they started calling things, and 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 even Drysadle when he got interference penalty, it's like what is going on? It's a joke. Yeah, well, that that was a terrible call. I agree. You've pro- uh,
1: Brian, you've probably heard me before talk about the refs doing interviews because you, you remember I asked Bettman that about four or five years ago, and he said no. <laughs> he see, he gave me this. Not all the refs have English as their first language, and we don't want to do that. I just don't. I, as as someone who's in the media, I I'd like to interview everybody. I wanted to. I just yeah. don't know if the refs could win if they didn't. Did interviews because if they came out and said they blew a call, people would still be mad. Or if they explained a call, the angry people might not buy the explanation.
0: Fair enough, but these are professional referees, and just like uh, a hockey player or just like a coach, uh, they're, they're, they they need to be held to account, don't they? I mean, um, yes, they do. It, it, it's not it's not coming from the approach of okay, where did the refs grow up? But explain at least at least give some some explanation as to as to why a game was ref a certain way, and why and what was said to the players or what was not said to the players or whatever. We're not hearing anything. It's, it's we're at the mercy of refs that that are so-called professionals. But you know I, I hate to say some of them don't seem to be professional.
1: Hey Brian, thanks for chiming in, man. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Take care. Thanks, Reed. That's Brian seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We will uh, keep going with this or whatever else you want to talk to about the Oilers. I I, I want to ask it, you guys this too. If if the rules are if fewer penalties are called in the postseason, does that make Montreal the favorite in the North Division? Because I think they have the most inclination and ability to play that way when it comes down to the divisional playoffs another thing you can uh, you can think about and get me at 780-496-0063 back after the news and weather The Maple Leafs have won in Winnipeg. Game just ended a few seconds ago. Toronto takes it 5 3. Two minutes left in Manhattan. Flyers up 3 1 on the Rangers. The Bruins take it to the Sabres, a 5 1 decision in that game. In a shootout, scoreless between the Capitals and the Islanders. So it's going to be a double shutout. But somebody's going to win the game 1-0. Lightning knock off the Blue Jackets 3-1. Hurricanes lead the Panthers 3-2 with two minutes left. The Penguins dump the Devils 5-1. Early in the third, Red Wings up 4-2 on the Stars. Three minutes left in St. Louis. Pardon me, three minutes left in the second period in St. Louis. Still the second period there. Avalanche lead the Blues 2-1. Top of the hour, it's the Senators and the Canucks. Louis says on the text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three, the refs are the refs and they won't change it's fine I like the grease the Oilers have found in their game now the Oilers have to learn how to pace themselves over a seven game series another texture says I agree 100% with the earlier caller about the defense not being called on consistent interference on players who dump the puck in long after the puck is gone most refs Make calls based on jersey numbers. Those needs to stop too. Call the penalty or infraction, not the number. Actually, that's coming in from uh, Pat. Pat, thank you very much for sending that message. D says, "Read. I may be old school, but I feel the consistency has really been up and down since they've gone to the two-man system. There is no longer the opportunity for referees to have a flow to a game or for the players to get to understand what the ref's tendencies are. Everyone knew that Kerry Fraser was going to let things go as long as you didn't cross a line and he could manage the game based on how the teams were playing and whether or not he had to call more penalties or less or less. Uh, Right now we have a ref in the corner, let a play go right in front of him. But the guy all the way at the blue line calls a penalty, no flow, no consistency, which has the players confused and asking questions in the media and Bermuda boy has emailed inside sports at 630 chat.com. He says, read, sorry, I could not disagree with you more. I am continually disgusted by officiating across the league and the way the officials manage games, the officiating categorically water down the talent across the league to those that like the officiating during the playoffs. Like go ahead, fill your cup for millennials and Gen Z have no interest in 60 minutes of clutch grab. They want to see skill why do you think this same demographic loves the NBA? It's because the NBA allows the skilled players to show off their skills. I categorically hate NHL officiating, and it is ruining the game for this lukewarm NHL fan. And I used to love this game. That is Bermuda Boy, who we actually have had on the show in uh, the past. And yes, he has turned in from, tuned in from Bermuda, which is pretty cool. Certainty Hotline is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Rocket is standing by. Hey, Rocket, what's going on?
3: Reid, how are you, buddy? I'm doing quite well. I can tell you from personal experience as a player, a coach, and a referee. Level three referee. My dad was a level five coach and referee back in the day. Um, you, I took a coaching course once, and they there's about 25 people and they said raise your hand if you've ever played this sport before and there was only me and my buddy that raised their hand and this was a a coaching clinic and it was Bill Baines uh, well known guy in, uh, in, in Kelowna And, uh, like lacrosse guy in Kelowna back in the day. And, uh, he said, you two will always be the best coaches ever (laughs) because you played, because you played the sport. Right. So, um, there's a, there's, there's a, a big attraction. There should be a big attraction for former players to referee because you know, the game, you know, the situations, you know, the, um, you, you know, you know who's faking it, like Perry. You know that Jason Perry thing, that was mm-hmm. like absolutely ridiculous. You know, that's you should know as a referee, as a as a a seasoned veteran, that if Corey Perry does anything, you should be leaning on the side of not calling it versus calling. It. <laughs> okay, okay. So little things like that. You know, knowing the game versus not knowing the game, I don't know how many referees in the NHL have actually played the game, but I'm hoping that there's well, Stewart,
1: a lot Well, Stewart played in the NHL, right? Remember Paul Stewart? Is, is he the last one who was actually an NHL player and official? He
3: even, might be... Even even if they played at, like, a minor box level, I'd, it, it would be acceptable for me, right? But how many? How many of them have actually played the game at like some high level? Other yeah, than uh, Macaulay, point. Macaulay, who's uh, you know he's uh, I think that's his last name, West Macaulay. Wes Macaulay seems to get a lot of notoriety. Notoriety. I, I'm I'm sure he's he's played the game before. right? I'd be right. curious to find out if he has or or hasn't.
1: Thanks, Rocket. Appreciate it, buddy. That's Rocket 780 We also have Fred standing by. Hey, Fred, thanks for calling. Go ahead.
4: Hey, Reed, I'm calling from across the river. That's so how far away I'm from, Chad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> back no, in the-
1: I'm across the river from Chad, too. <laughs> I'm at home.
4: Back in the day, I knew every referee, every linesman, and I do believe they used to put their names on the jersey back in the good old days, and it's pretty embarrassing. I guess the only one I know is West McCauley. I couldn't name you one linesman whatsoever. I think it's time to put the names back on the, uh, the referee jersey, but uh, wow. Batman doesn't
1: want that. Batman doesn't want that.
4: Why? like why not he was
1: well remember, first of all remember when there was that official strike he was mad at them and he <laughs> wants them to be anonymous he like they, the nhl wants them to be people you don't identify and don't talk about
4: really back in the day at least you had some characters refereeing and yeah you, you know john D'Amico's is one of the best linesmen ever uh, I, I disagree with Batman on that one. I think it's time to put the names back in the jersey. But uh, the refereeing is atrocious. And last night, that cross-checking reminded me of old Chris Pronger back in the day. Look at the team we had in 06. You had Pronger, Jason Smith, Stales. Uh, Montreal's got a big, tough, mean defense. And in the playoffs... going to be tough for teams to beat them if they let this crap keep going on right well that's
1: what i was that's what i was saying before the news uh, i mean if if they even if they call 20 percent fewer penalties in the playoffs does that make montreal the team to beat i mean who's who has a full roster that can be as chippy as the canadians can out of the oilers jets and maple leafs
4: oh Yeah, the Maple Leafs certainly don't. Uh, the Jets, no, and the Oilers, no. The Oilers are too small, and I do agree, like, you know, without uh, casting and Caharie, what do we have after that? Nurse, that's about it. I think we're going to have to beef, beef it up a little bit for next year. Uh, I still am upset they got rid of a player like, you know who we need right now is a Pat Maroon. You think he'd let this crap go on? He'd be mixing it up, and he'd be holding these players accountable. What, uh, what's this? Uh, Weber did last night to drive cycle so Come on, maybe one cross check here and there, but when you continually do it, that's garbage. And the referees, I don't know, you got two referees, you got an eye in the sky, and they still can't get it right. And back in the day, one referee without an eye in the sky could get it right. Don't you think there's something wrong, Reed?
1: All right, Fred. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks Take a lot care. for calling. That is Fred, 780 four nine six zero zero six three you got a text here from jason who says i didn't mind last night's game old school baby let them play a bit <laughs> uh but uh jason goes uh goes on to say uh also uh many years ago you had tough guys and players were scared to do a lot of that crap uh he, he also writes if i had connor and Lee on my team i would purposely have a guy who you were actually scared of on the team then he would be happy sitting on the bench just for that very reason those guys are the ultimate team guys and jason also writes i don't think cassian actually likes that role just by his body language and Kara is not somebody other teams are actually scared of uh mark says hey reed wait until bad officiating starts costing money at the betting tables the guys who overlook gambling will never let that slide. When a high roller loses big money because a ref decides to manage a game, then that crap will hit the fan. Well, I, I think that's actually a good point, Mark. I, and that's why the the Tim Peel comment on the open mic, I, I think scared the NHL a, a little bit because, and, and look, I, I think we know they're all makeup calls or, or referees might be looking to hit a team or a, or a player with a minor penalty at times, but they didn't like it going out there and, uh, and being public. That's an interesting comment there for Mark. Okay. 744. We got to call a quick timeout more time for your phone calls. If you want to check in text to inside sports on Chet. <laughs> Okay, the Edmonton Oil Kings playing tonight at the Downtown Community Arena. They lead the Medicine Hat Tigers 2-0 after the first period. Jake Neighbors and Josh Williams are the goal scorers. No playoffs this season in the Western Hockey League, but the Oil Kings have an outstanding team. you got Dylan Gunther and Sebastian Kosa. Both likely to go in the first round of the NHL draft, so that'll be an ongoing storyline for them. So 2-0, they lead Medicine Hat after the first period tonight. 780-496-0063. Brian writes in, he says, uh, the Oilers had that guy that people were afraid of, but the fans ran him out of town to Calgary. I guess you can't always have it both ways. Brian, of course, referring to Curtis Glencross, who would uh, later on retire after a few hundred games. Is that who you met, Brian? Maybe, oh, maybe he meant Looch. Maybe he meant Looch. <laughs> is that who you're talking about, Brian? That's, I think that's probably who he was talking about. Uh, here is, do we, do we have the uh, the Dave Tippett clip from after the game, Kellen? Let's get to that. Uh, Tippett talking about the interference. Oh, we got, still got Van Halen playing in the background too. This is incredible. Uh, here's Dave Tippett on the dry cycle interference penalty.
4: An interference call on a guy that just passed the puck in a body check. That, that's, yeah. that's, it's, I don't know, it is what it is. I'm not going to comment on the
1: referees. That was, that was, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, he just left it at that. And that, that's, I mean, that's really the, the irritating one from last night where it appears that almost everything is legal. And then Dry finishes his check, finishes it aggressively, but gets an interference penalty. And, and the puck was still very much in the vicinity. Just an odd game, too. So all the rough stuff and two of the penalties in the game were tripping penalties on the goaltenders. Like, it, it, was, it was just crazy. It was a crazy game. But the Canadians came in with the attitude to play that way. I will say this from an Oilers perspective. And, yes, we can talk about do they need a nuclear deterrent uh, should the game be officiated differently? All that kind of stuff, all relevant. Um, but the Oilers hung in there; they didn't wilt. Monday night, they they kept pressing, and they made it more of a skill game as the third period went on, and then they won four one. And yes, they were. I mean, Montreal was the better team last night. I don't have any doubt about saying that. They, they checked very well. They were good in the offensive zone. They finished their chances and full marks to them for sure. The, the, they were absolutely the better team. But the the Oilers, at least in those games, didn't go away. And they didn't say, oh, I don't know. We're, we don't usually play aggressive type games. I guess we're going to get beat tonight. And I, to, to a certain extent, I don't even mind dry and McDavid being chippy. And, and I realize you don't want your skill players doing that all the time. But I do know that, and Rob tells me this all the time, and, you know, I get to talk to a lot of ex-players who they, they will say the Stars also, to some extent, want to prove that they can stand up for themselves. And they like aggressive games and hitting and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it. Now, uh, it was funny seeing some of the Montreal media and fans chiming in. Last night, I saw somebody call him Connor McElbow. I think Connor has to probably be a little careful with the hits up high. He already got suspended for one against the Canadians earlier this season. But I don't mind seeing players defend themselves. And one thing you see will do is if he's going to get hit, you know, he'll stick his stick out in front of himself. And it might not be a full-on cross-check, but it's like, okay, if you're coming at me, you might run into my stick. I'm just going to put it up here. Where your, where your head is coming. And I might not extend it fully, but you might run into it. And I think that's something that the star players over the years in the NHL have have learned. So I didn't mind the response by the Oilers. I, I really didn't. I know there's a lot of talk about Cassian... Uh, how he plays, how he could maybe play differently. Some other things that he might need to do. I thought he had a good game on Monday though. And maybe him not being in the lineup last night and made the Canadians a little, a little braver. And I realized the one texture wrote in that, um, okay, maybe casting doesn't embrace that role. And maybe Kara isn't necessarily somebody that other teams are afraid of, but at least that they, they can get involved in that a little bit when they want to. So, it's it, it's good discussion. I, I do think I, I do think it was out of control last night. Now again, do I blame the players for if they keep saying, "Well, I haven't reached the line yet"? No, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, Rob said it last night: elbow a guy in the chest, elbow a guy in the neck. Well, he still haven't called me. I guess I'll just keep moving up on on his body till I get called. But it's it's the referee's responsibility to, to call the game fairly and to call violations of the rules. And it's it's also their responsibility to keep the game safe. And that was the thing last night. I, I was wondering if at some point it, it just it wasn't safe. And I know it's the NHL, and I know they're tough and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying you get to treat them like they're made out of glass. But, you know, there was, there was just – it, it, for me, it was the cross-checking. And that's the, the one thing that – kind of gets me is how much cross-checking is, is sometimes allowed. And I, I told you I put this poll on, quitter, on Twitter. You got a few more minutes to vote. Uh, at Reed Wilkins is my Twitter account. I said, if you could only pick one, you would like to see the NHL more strictly penalized. And it's really close. We've had almost 1,500 votes. Cross-checking is at 33%. Hits from behind is at 30%. Interference is at 27%. And slashing is at 10%. For me, it would be cross-checking. And I realize sometimes there might be subtle little shoves and you're moving a guy in front of the net. But I just think if you're winding up with your stick and forcefully driving it into a player's back, that's cross-checking. I, there, there are other ways to battle for position. So for me, it would be cross-checking. I think they they generally, I think they do a good job on hits from behind. I think I agree with the texters who have written in that there seems to be more leniency with interference by defensemen when a puck gets shot in. Uh, Slashing sometimes is just confusing because you can wind up and slash a guy and nothing happens. And then if you don't slash as hard but his stick breaks, it's a penalty. Sometimes that one's a little weird and some of the slashes on the hands. But I think generally they're pretty good with that. But the the cross-checking and the interference would be my top two on that list. Uh, Jordan says, I 100% agree with you, Reed. A stick should not be a weapon. Dirk says, the Oilers will miss a guy like Lucic in the playoffs. You still need an enforcer to police the game. That is from Dirk, 7804960063. Okay, I want to remind you every Friday at 7 a.m., Chelsea Bird taking you back in time. Tune in, then head to 630 Chad Mornings show page on 630 chetcom for your chance to win 100 bucks. Pretty good. And I also want to remind you that on Saturday, that's this Saturday, the 24th, 630 Chet, carrying a special called Hidden Hate Anti-Asian Racism. It's going to be on from 9 to 9.30 in the morning and again in the evening from 7.30 to 8. Thanks to Randy Ambrosi and Brock Sunderland for hopping on the show tonight. Really appreciate all the intelligent and passionate feedback on the phone line. And on the text line, Bob will have Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. As the Oilers get back to practice, I'll have Inside Sports from six to eight. Once again, next Oilers game, not until Monday. 5:30 face-off show game at seven against the Winnipeg Jets. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. Adler's next. My name's Reed. Have a great night.
0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on six thirty Chad.